2: And this will be just a quick one. Um, yeah, we're back. The Unsuckable podcast. And it's a bit of a crazy whirlwind kind of podcast this Friday. We're recording on a Friday. And um, we decided to do this real quick because it's a few stories that we want to touch on. And this is like full-on transfer special. So if you're into transfers and I mean, if you're into football and you're not into transfers, there's probably something wrong with you. Um, but yeah, this is a full-on transfer special. So, yeah, I'm your host, Manuel Fede. Um Once again, jo- joined by Josh. Josh, how's it going? It's just the two of us today. Um, I'm excited because we just get to chat about a few names, um, yeah. what it means
1: and all that kind of stuff. But how's it going? It's going good, man. Uh, I-, I like doing a transfer special. We got someone here who works from Transfer Mark, So it just seems like the perfect opportunity for you Nye, to sit down. And uh, I mean, yeah, our, our, uh, our little group chat on the unsackable pod was going wild with some of the stories. So I'm really curious to get your opinion on it. Cause we've kind of, haven't really discussed a lot of them or what we honestly just are doing it right here on the podcast. So it should be fun.
2: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it too. It's um, it's a good way to start a Friday, I feel. Um. So yeah, let's, let's just jump right in. And I think the first one that people were a little bit curious about was um Dennis Zakaria right from Borussia Mönchengladbach and we touched on it on the Gegenpressing podcast this week and um his future and what's going to happen and whether he's already maybe signed for another club um I know this is someone that you've been tracking a little bit as well right Josh because Borussia Dortmund were one of the clubs mentioned and one of the, the big questions that we had this week was maybe he's already signed somewhere because um, he is so, so guarded about his future. And he can sign somewhere as of January 1st. He's free to sign a contract that starts as, as of July 1st, right? And Gladbach can't do really very much about it. Um, so I spoke to some people about this, made some phone calls. And um, the latest on Dennis career is the following, that he had an offer, or Gladbach had an offer from Newcastle United that was way too low. Um, and that he, at this point right now, has not um, decided on his future. So I think that makes you a little bit optimistic, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, because it, it, if you if you look at the situation, it looked like one that Dortmund should have tried to capitalize. They, they've they had Axel Witzel, who's been an amazing servant for this team, a, a, a true number six. So losing him, I mean, it leaves us with kind of Chan, who I don't overly trust at the six, plus Dehoud and Bellingham, I think, are a little bit more like eights. So they need a six. So it makes, to me, so much sense seeing Witzel leave on a free transfer, who had some decently high wages. Then you go out and you sign Zachariah on a free transfer, kind of a like-for-like bring him in there and on top of that he played for Gladbach he played under Marco Rosa he can also be a makeshift center back he really checks all the boxes on top of the fact that Dortmund have a history of signing Gladbach players so to to me as long as I could convince him it made to me it made a sense to try to get Dortmund to get this deal over the line but at the same time it is Dortmund they can sometimes be pretty cheap so if it doesn't happen that's probably the reason why
2: yeah and the one thing that you have to keep in mind too and I think we touched on that as, as well on pressing, And I think on the Enzakuber podcast too, is that um, there is German clubs are really hurting because of the lack of attendance in stadiums, right? And that is a big one for Dortmund because the number of mo- the, the amount of money that they make per home game is just staggering, uh, not just from the ticket sales, but the merchandise, right? Um, when you go into the Signale Duna Park, um, there's a huge fan shop there. There's lots of people consume food. Um, It's a little bit similar to when, if you take it into the Canadian context, right? Josh is what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going through right now in terms of not having attendance and how much money they lose per home game. It's just a staggering amount. And it's not necessarily just the ticket sales. It's all this other stuff that people do when they go to a game. So Dortmund are hurting from that. So I think um, I've been actually told another interesting fact because there was um, rumors, of course, that he could go to Bayern Munich, and um, someone told me Bayern Munich are not really going to buy anyone because they are too busy keeping together the players that they have. I thought that was really interesting as well. So, yeah, Sakarir is probably the player that Dortmund need, but I guess we don't. I don't know if he's actually going to go there. <laughs> I, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one, Josh.
1: Yeah, but I mean with the spending power of, and, and I and I totally. Totally get that. That's kind of why I thought, I mean, a free transfer is never a free transfer, but Dortmund have to do something. They're going to be losing players. Witzel, for sure, is going to be lost. They've already sold Thomas Delaney without properly replacing him. They need to go out, so if this is a strategic signing, that you can get on a free. I know that wages might be a little higher. Yeah, It it needs to be an option. Otherwise, they're going to have to spend money somewhere because they need to replenish this team, or maybe they don't, and then it's another season like we're seeing now with getting bounced out of the Pokal, bounced out of the Champions League, and probably sitting between second, third place in the table.
2: Yeah. Interesting one. Um, I mean, maybe we get to talk about the Pokal at some point. Um, I love that competition. <laughs> it's, I think it's such a great tournament and it just shows you how unpredictable knockout is, isn't it? do an out 5-0 against Gladbach. Then Gladbach go out against Hannover, 3-0, a second division team, Dortmund out against St. Pauli. Um, There isn't many big-name teams left in the German Cup, which is actually really kind of cool. Maybe we'll get a Hamburg derby in in the next round. That'd be fantastic. Uh, Leipzig, of course, probably now the favorites to win it, but who knows? It could be St. Pauli. It could be anyone. It could be Hannover, Hamburg, anyone really at this stage. And that's why knockout competitions are such a beauty. And uh, kind of underline what we've been talking about before, how maybe that's a way to save...
1: The major leagues around Europe <laughs> to yeah. just introduce that as like your championship. It is. Um, it's it's, a, it's beautiful. I mean, like you said, Gladbach, who's having a terrible season, beat Bayern five nothing, and then lost to Hanover, who's not having a good season in the second division. I think they only yeah. scored like seventeen goals, and they scored three against Gladbach to knock them out. I think I'll be low key cheering on either Fre- Freiburg or uh, Union Berlin. Yeah. So I think I, th- I think that'd be nice to see one of them win.
2: It would be nice. Of course, a Berlin club hasn't ne- hasn't won it at, since the um, the cup final is in Berlin.
1: Oh, that's the, the story is just written for for Union. I think the, I think they'll be the neutrals' favorite, in my opinion, because oh, there's just yeah. so, there's so much to like about that club.
2: Yeah, Hertha would, of course, hate it because the stadium, <laughs> but um, it's a different story. But we need to move on. We need to uh, leave the German Cup alone for now. Um, we're probably gonna do a feature on that at some point because it's just awesome. I love the German Cup. Uh, I cover it every time. I've been to a few of the finals. It's just an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, knockout competition. But um, yes, the next one. <laughs> so Adrian was supposed to join us for this because he did some mm. research on Ousmane Dembele. Um, unfortunately, he can't make it. It's too bad, but that's how it is. But he left us this. So uh, Barcelona paid 140 million euros uh, to Borussia Dortmund. Since then, his market has dropped 30 million. He missed 102 matches since he's joined Barca. And he spent 695 days with the medical staff. Um, cost per appearance, 1.08 million. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised then that Barcelona has more or less now said goodbye to Dembele. Uh, (laughs) not renewing his contract. And um, you brought this up. Oscar, maybe back to Barcelona. Now, many people will not remember who Oscar is, so why don't you give them a refresher?
1: Yeah, I mean, Oscar obviously was a very talented player who got the scene at Chelsea, where I believe he won a Europa League, was a mainstay starter there, took on Frank Lampard's number eight. And then I uh, was kind of falling out of favor. And then once the Chinese Super League kind of came to its uh, to its beginning of the spending, they he got a huge move over to Shanghai where he's been there since 2017. So the majority of his prime of his career was spent making an enormous, enormous amounts of money where he's played pretty well. But I mean, that was goodbye to his international career. And we thought we'd probably never really see him again. And uh, like a lot of players who give up their careers to go to China uh, a lifeline has kind of came back and you've seen a, a polino who a lot of you guys are familiar with actually left uh he's I believe they he was in um he was in China before Oscar, I think just a little bit. He's one of the first signings, but then ended up going back to Barcelona on a on a deal and he actually performed pretty well in that one season for Barça before going right back to China and then it's been bounced around and now is in Brazil. So Oscar after making more money than he would have made in his entire career probably in those four or five years in uh, China is looking for a lifeline. And it looks like if there's one club to do it, it's going to be Barcelona because, you know, Barcelona is Barcelona and it, it kind of looks like the deal could potentially get done because Oscar has made so much money over the last few years that he's looking to get the deal done. He didn't think maybe there'd be an appetite of a, of a team like Barcelona. So he's looking, if this deal is going to get done, it's going to be because he takes like almost a Danny Elva's type deal where it's performance incentive type contract to get the deal over the line and we'll sort of see what happens it's it's a wild transfer it's, it's some of the reasons I love these transfer talks because it's just it's so out of the blue but they've done it Barca has done this type of deal before with Polinio, so there's a possibility
2: yeah I was just gonna mention Polinio because that is the one that sounds almost like a blueprint for this right and at the time actually worked out quite well for
1: them Yeah, he was he was a he was a good player. And he got back into the Brazilian. Actually, I don't even think he really left. He left the Brazilian national team when he was playing for Tottenham because he was just kind of turned into a meme there. Then he went to China and he got brought brought back into the Brazilian national team. And then he Mm -hmm. got the attention of of Barca. And and I watched him a lot that season. And he played, he was he was such a well-rounded player and is one of Brazil's best players in that midfield position. So I mean, I don't know if Oscar's really what Barca needs. And they kind of said that the priority signing right now because they can't register him. That's also a big issue with with Oscar, but it's also they don't really need him. He would probably play in, as one of the center mids in that four three three system that Shabby has and yeah. with Nico Gonzalez, Pedri and uh, Gabby kind of blossoming with Frankie De still there. They don't really need him, but if you can get a, a, a creative player like Oscar on a pretty much pay-as-you-play kind of incentive, then it might be something worth looking at.
2: It's too bad we don't have Filippo here. Yeah. Um... Because he will hate what I have to say next. I think Oscar <laughs> would be perfect for Major League Soccer.
1: I think so too. I, I think be, I think because he was such a big name, and he's only thirty. Yeah. That's the that's the funny thing. Like he left right in the prime of his career to go to China. Uh, he was a Brazilian international. He played for Chelsea. Yeah. He he's a well known name. If you played video games, I know you've probably used Oscar over the years in FIFA. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think he'd be a good piece. I think he'd do very well because his numbers in China are ridiculous. It's not even like he went to China and, and busted. He's been unbelievable for Shanghai. Take it what you will because it's China, but the numbers are yeah. there and I think he'd be a flashy signing for the MLS.
2: Yeah, he'd be great here. Um, you know, And he'd be a good name and um, because he's already made tons of money, he would probably come for a little bit less. But yeah, if he can help Barcelona, I'd be curious about that. Let's see if it happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that is one to definitely keep an eye on. Another one that's been kind of, speaking of Brazilians, and this hasn't a Brazilian, there's a Brazilian touch to this story. And bear with me, i, I explain. Um, Brandon Aronson is very heavily linked to Leeds United. And I know this is getting a lot of American fans very excited because like he is a guy who's going from a Champions League contender to a team fighting relegation in the Premier League. I mean, yes, yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense if you actually put it in those words, but I think Americans see Premier League and they just get excited. Uh, that's just how they are. Um, they don't actually put it into context of where he's going in the Premier League. Um, listen, Leeds United... A very historic club. I have a personal crutch against them because they knocked out my side, 1860 Munich in that in Champions League qualifi- qualifier uh, controversially. They got like, a penalty that should have never been a penalty <laughs> in 2001. Yes, I hold crutches for a long time. If you cross me, I will remember. <laughs> <laughs> and like ever since then, um, the two clubs, the both clubs after that um, kind of um, went on a nosedive Uh, for many years and uh, Leeds United have mostly recovered and they play some wonderful football with Marcelo Bielsa in charge. And this is of course why also Americans are getting excited because um, Brandon Aaronson would probably do really well under Bielsa. Um, I think that the problems with Bielsa though, is that he usually only stays at a club for a couple of years. And I think he's been at Leeds now for four.
1: Yeah. He's been at, he's been at Leeds for a while.
2: Yeah. So that it's a time bomb. We know it's going off. <laughs> the longer it's been ticking, the more likely he's going off, and that's what Bielsa is. He never lasts long at a club. No, so. he's
1: he's been he's been there since twenty eighteen. But wow. uh, it that must it, be it, a it personal is, record for him. I, I think I think it is, and he he's obviously done wonderful things. But it's funny when you mention leaving Champions League contenders, Salzburg being the next round, because I I use this transfer all the time. And it's, it is the lure of, of the Premier League. So yeah. it's not unrealistic to see Brennan potentially wanting to get this deal done for himself because I use Mitriglou, who was in, with Olympiakos, probably a similar type of level mm. to Salzburg, who was in the Champions League. Uh, round of 16, similar to Salzburg, and he left. He was a leading goal scorer in that season at, in the Greek League and went and joined Fulham, who were basement of the Premier League and then obviously got relegated. But in my opinion, I don't think. I think Leeds have a very good chance to stay up. So it's Aaron yeah, leaving. So Salzburg to join a a team that will probably be in the Premier League next season.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. I think so too. I think Leeds are are just fine and they they play good football and um, all that. Uh, The thing though, and here is where it gets complicated, and um, don't worry, I'm going to get to the Brazilian eventually, (laughs) is that Leeds United are currently in a legal battle with RB Leipzig over John Kevin Augustine. Who they signed a few years ago um, for the 2019-20-2020 for season, right? On loan with um, an obligation to buy if they go get promoted. Now Leeds did get promoted, but because of COVID, the season ended after the contract with the loan contract with Sean, Kevin, Augustine expired. Now Leeds then just sent him back to Leipzig, and Leipzig at the time argued, saying, Well, you got promoted, where's our 21 million euros? And of course, this went to court and um it went to FIFA. And FIFA has since decided in favor for Leipzig. Um, that Leipzig are own, owed 21 million euros by Leeds. And 21 million euros is a lot of money for a German Bundesliga team, even one owned by Red Bull. Um <laughs> And um Leeds have since challenged us at the CAS. So this is going to the Court of Arbitration of Sports in Lausanne, um, and where it's going to be negotiated um at some point this year. And um, when you take past examples, um Leeds' chances of winning this isn't actually that good. They probably will have to pay Leipzig. Now, this is this is all important because 21 million euros, um, you know, we know. The sporting decisions when it comes to, yes, on paper, Salzburg and Leipzig are two independent clubs, completely independent, like completely independent entities. It's just a coincidence that both of them start with RB. I mean, it's Rasenball and Red Bull, right? Uh, no, 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 no connection with Red Bull at all. Um, <laughs> which is why it's, you know, Mario Gomez being the new uh, director of sports for Red Bull, overseeing RB Leipzig, Red Bull Salzburg, Uh, Red Bull, Bragantino, and New York Red Bulls, um, but no connection. So, yes, I mean, we all know what the reality really is like. And of course, these teams have connections. And we all know that when Leeds owe 21 million euros to Leipzig, it's really 21 million euros to the HQ at Vogelamsee, Red Bull HQ at Vogelamsee in Austria. So I just think that I don't know how you think about this, Josh, or how you feel about this, but if I'm an, a sporting entity that has done business with a club in the past and that club did not honor its contracts, will you really do business with that club again until that legal dispute is put out of the way and this uh,
1: resolved? I'd say 0% chance, but I love the big circle there. I mean, I was, I was just sitting back quiet, I'm like, all right, where's he going with this? And then uh, they, yeah, you know, and, no, you make, to- you make perfect sense. I forgot about that deal. And I mean, I, I don't blame, um, leads for not wanting to sign, uh, and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. They are all connected. We're not, we all know that their logos are the exact same, mm-hmm. except at the bottom, it just says the city that they're in. Uh, and if you're looking at leads and it just makes sense that you're not going to do a deal like that. and Unless
2: they pay up for Augustine.
1: Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, obviously like there's been some bad blood between there. So until I guess that comes in, but even after that, like, cause you you go even deeper, even if it does get figured out, why would you risk it? Why would you give them kind of what, what they want? You know, Mm. it, it, uh, it doesn't make sense. It's like, all right, you screwed us over before. What's the incentive for me to do this deal with you? Why can't I just look to sell elsewhere?
2: And especially because there is interest elsewhere, right? And this is where the Brazilian comes in. I mean, Um, There is a Brazilian named Artur playing for Red Bull Bragantino, um, Red Bull's team in the Brazilian Serie A. And that team is very much designed to find Brazilian talents for the big club in Leipzig, right? Leipzig are on top of the pyramid, even though Salzburg is actually the one that's playing in the Champions League round of 16. And that (laughs) Champions League round of 16 game is actually quite important. Um, I am from that region of the world. And Munich and Salzburg are regional rivals, Right, even though it's across the border, but Salzburg and Munich are only an hour and a half drive away from each other. There is a uh, strong historical connections between those two cities, and um, there's a lot of uh, connections between those two regions as well. You know, the Salzburg uh, Salzburger Land, which is where Salzburg is, and then Bavaria, Bayern, uh, where Bayern Munich is, and so this is a this is a derby, Josh.
1: Yeah, and I, so, I know how excited you were for it. You're, yeah. you're as soon as they got drawn against each other, you're like, "Oh man!" Like I'm, I'm pumped because you have you've said yeah. nothing but really good things about Salzburg as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's a fantastic organization. It's one of the best, best run clubs in the world, in my opinion. So then, this this is actually a bit more of just a Champions League round of sixteen game for Salzburg. It's like playing your local rival, and I, think- I love it people don't quite like maybe because americans don't understand the proximity or like the the interconnection between bavaria and austria as well um it's much stronger than it is between austria and the rest of the, the rest of germany because they're both catholic they both have like the same origin there's been a lot of when bavaria was still um a monarchy there was a lot of interconnections between the two monarchies so yeah, I think people don't quite understand that connection. So this is a bit more than a Champions League of round of 16 game. It's actually and kind on, of like almost a derby.
1: And on top of it, and I think this is a, it's a beautiful story because of all the reasons you just said to make it kind of like a derby, but this is Salzburg's first ever Champions yeah. League uh, knockout tie, right? And they get to take on their, their local... Derby rivals, I'm putting the quotations in there, but I think it's a brilliant story and I can't wait to see how it is and hopefully we get a good game.
2: Yeah, hopefully, like, I still have some hopes. I think the first leg is not going to happen because February doesn't look like a good time to travel right now. The second leg is March, so fingers crossed I can go to the the game at the Allianz Arena um, and cover that. I think that'd be a brilliant game. But yeah, so anyways, the the other tidbit of this is that Artur from from Red Bull Bragantino has been heavily linked with with Leipzig. His agent has spoken to Brazilian media, saying that Red Red Red, Red Bull have plans for him, and want to send him to the the, the top of the pyramid in Leipzig. Um, and of course, you know he's a he's a according to Filippo, um, an attacking player, a winger, and he would occupy that space that Aronson would occupy. So because Leipzig are obviously very interested in bringing in Brandon Aronson eventually um, to the top of the pyramid of the Red Bull system, um, which is of course another little obstacle that leads to fighting. Um, and I think that's, that's an interesting one, but I think Leipzig are going to lose a few pieces, Josh. I think Danny almost off to Spain um, yeah, I mean, after the coo-coo. season, right? So there's one spot right there. And then Nkunku, the way he's been playing, I mean, it's going to be hard to keep him.
1: Yeah, I I 100% agree. Nkunku has been playing incredible. One of my favorite players to watch this season. There's definitely going to be some suitors. I think City was linked to him for a little bit. Barca was obviously linked to Omo. Uh, And yeah, Liverpool as well. But if if you're telling me on that Brendan Harrison one, because of the history between Leeds and the Red Bull organization, uh, I mean, you can pitch you can pitch Leipzig to Brendan Harrison, and I'm pretty sure that's a good opportunity for him to play yeah. in a top five league play for a top a top club competing at the top of the table in Champions League. As long as they obviously get into it, but that's not a bad path for Brendan Harrison whatsoever.
2: Milan are interested too, so that's another club. Um, you know, someone who's probably going to pay their bills. <laughs> um, yeah anyways it could still happen maybe Leeds United will come in with like a 40 million pound offer, for offer and Salzburg will say okay well this pays for both of them so <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah, a
1: little over a
2: little overpriced um, so they never say never
0: hockey fans DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports bidding partner of the NHL has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call
2: 1-800-GAMBLER. Never say never. Never the Premier League. So let's stick with that, but let's move to goalkeepers because we have a few goalkeepers to cover here. Matt Turner to Arsenal and Bernd Leno to Newcastle. Um I think... This makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways, Josh, because Bernd Leno needs playing time to have a chance to make the World Cup squad in November, December it pains me to say that no World <laughs> Cup should be played in November, December. Anyways, um, he needs playing time, right? Yeah. Um, no. And Arsenal really want to tap into the U S market and Matt Turner, I guess to bring in as a backup for Ramsdale. Yeah, that's sort of the talk and a sax stefan kind of deal 7.5 million dollars around-ish um how do you feel about this
1: it's a it's an interesting deal i'd, I'd like to obviously get Filippo's take on it as well and this is just coming from an outsider a couple canadians looking in mm. and one it's a huge deal for for a club like arsenal to be targeting matt turner and if you're gonna look to go to the u.s market similar to man city and there's not a play that really fits your system then why not go for a backup keeper, allow Bert Leno to move over to Newcastle, probably get a good chunk of change. So in that sense, it makes sense. But if I'm a U.S. Men's National Team fan, and knowing that Turner was going head-to-head with Stefan for the number one position for the U.S. Men's National Team, now you have two backup keepers going head-to-head. I know the MLS is what it is, but Matt Turner was one of the best in the MLS. He was playing week in, week out. And now he'll be the exact same position as Zach Steffen. So you'll have two backup keepers going head to head for it. And then I think Ethan Horvath is a backup keeper at Forest. I don't know where down the pecking order an actual starting keeper is for the U.S. Men's National Team. So that's, as a U.S. Men's National Team perspective, that's maybe a bit of a concern. But if Zach Steffen's your number one guy anyways, then you'll just have a backup as a starter and then a backup as a backup.
2: Yeah, there's not much playing time going around in that
1: scenario. No, yeah. not, not not at all. I know that a lot of them were worried about Ethan Horvath as well because they thought moving yeah. from Club Bruges to force was going to be his opportunity. But Sambo's been the starter and it doesn't look like that's changing anytime soon.
2: Yeah, it's I'd be concerned. I mean, because one of the reasons why Lino wants to leave is because he's not getting the minutes in the gazillion cup competitions that Arsenal are playing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so yeah. many in England, like it's hard to keep tap, like, tap of all of them. Um, was it is the the Caribou Cup? Uh, and he didn't play in that, so he was really upset. And so he wants out, and uh, Newcastle needs something, I mean, anything really to keep them alive. Um, if you were paying £30 million to sign, uh, what from from Your closest rival, um, just to keep them out of the race, I think you'd be probably pretty desperate to get a keeper as well. And, um, yeah, Ben Leno is an interesting one, Josh, because, like, I as I mentioned it to you before the pod, um, Germany right now, number one and number two is so cemented, right? Uh, Manuel Neuer is the number one, he's going to sign another three year contract at Bayern Munich. I think if you mark Andre Ter Stegen. You just must be so frustrated. And if you, Alexander Nubel, you just must be thinking, I need to get out of Bayern as quickly as possible because this guy is going nowhere. And Neuer is the kind of guy who's come back from a really serious injury and definitely cemented his place as the best keeper in the world again um just because of what he offers he has he has abilities that no other keeper in the world has and that's just so remarkable so you must be just so frustrated sitting because mark andre is one of the best keepers in the world and he's just waiting that's all he's doing
1: (laughs) watching neuer over the years has been so frustrating because beiner already so good and when you break that back line you have someone Mm -hmm. like him and who's just got the arrogance around Manuel neuer it's it's something that i think a lot of Iron players have, and it's in a good thing. It's part of that winning mentality. Yeah. Him, Thomas Muller, they, they have this ability to know that they're going to succeed. And he's just, he's so good at everything he does. He's a leader in that team. Uh, he is the number one. And then, unfortunately for Ter Stegen, you were just in the wrong generation, my man, because yeah. until, Neuer, until Neuer's gone, you were going to be the backup. But I, I, I've i watched a lot of Barca games this year, and I think Ter Stegen's having a pretty good season. Yeah. And I've also watched a decent amount of Monaco games, and I don't think Nubel's impressed that much. I thought he was expected to do a lot more under Nico Kovac, and he's done decent. But there's been a lot of a lot of goals this season that he's conceded where it, it didn't flatter him too much. So I would think right now, artiega or Trap are probably just ahead of of Leno. Mm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Trap, and I think he's had a good season yeah, under me too under I Frankfurt. So I'd probably put my money on him right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I would too. Um, Stefan Ortega is another really good shout. He's been excellent with Bielefeld this year and excellent last year too. He's maybe one of the best keepers in the league, to be honest. Yeah, he was incredible, incredible Um, last year. (laughs) Yeah, and he was in my club 1860. And when when he was there, I didn't think he would actually develop into the keeper that he is now. Um, Yeah, he's been just very good. And Bielefeld, if they go down, I don't think Ortega is going down with them. (laughs) <laughs> he's,
1: no, I don't think so either.
2: You know, He's been heavily linked with Bayern Munich as a backup for Neuer. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that. He said himself he wants to play. Uh, I know Bayern Munich are very interested in bringing him on because he would be just such a solid backup, right? Um, I said this to you off the pot. The problem with Bernd Leno is that him and Marc-André Ter Stegen do not get along at all, uh, one bit. So he went. Leno went to the Euros because Marc-André Ter Stegen missed that tournament with an injury. And um, I think if Ter Stegen is going to the World Cup, I don't think Leno is going. But No, I,
1: I agree. And he's not playing. Like if you're looking yeah. at Kevin Trapp right now as your third keeper, and I believe Kevin Trapp was a part of that Euro squad with Leno and and Neuer. So it's just swap out Leno for Ter Stegen. Trapp was clearly already in front of him. Trapp's yeah. playing, playing well. So to me, Leno's got a, a tough hill to climb to try to get in.
2: Exactly, but he's going to try anyway. So this is where Newcastle come in and that makes sense. Yeah, he needs to play. Um, he's probably on an insane wage at Arsenal that no Bundesliga team is even willing to touch at the moment. So, yeah.
1: And why not with the new big spenders in town? Yeah. And even if it wasn't a World Cup year, I mean, I think Leno probably thinks he's good enough to be a starter. So if yeah. the opportunity presents itself where you can go make still make good money and be a starter in the Premier League... I, I think that's a pretty pretty good opportunity for him.
2: I think so too. So goalkeepers, um, let's move our attention to Major League Soccer. And this deal came out of nowhere. And um, I can full-on admit that I was completely hit by surprise. Um, I've spoken since with the Vancouver Whitecaps about this deal. They tried to keep it under wraps as long as possible. Unfortunately, it got leaked. Um, leak office you know, and then the usual suspects that get tapped up at the league office very closely in New York got to break the story um, quickly confirmed that Maxime Crippot traded to LAFC from the Vancouver Whitecaps in exchange for $1 million in general allocation money, gum, GABA bucks and a number one draft pick of uh, 2025, number one draft pick, uh, first round draft pick, sorry. Um, and, Um, the Whitecaps will retain the majority of any future transfer fee, which is, I think the big one because, uh, could still go to Europe. Right. And then
1: the Whitecaps would get the majority of
2: that fee, um,
1: Mano, if we have any Europeans listening right now to this, they're probably like, what did you just say? Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. Uh, general allocation money. I think really quickly, I'm going to explain that general allocation money is a mechanism in Major League Soccer that can be used by football clubs to, to pay down uh, salaries. So one million in general allocation money is worth way more than a million in gen- in a normal transfer fee. Because you can basically, because everyone, every club has a salary cap, right? Um, which is around $8 million, I believe. And if you're above the salary cap, you can go to four or five players and you can take, oh, I'm going to shave 100000 off there, 250000 off there, 150000 there. And then you can get under the cap, even though you're paying more on salaries. And that's what general allocation money is for.
1: And the record uh, just came out actually from pa- Paul Ariola, who got $2 million in GAM. So... Um, these, these type of deals are really intriguing for, and we're seeing a trend in yeah. it of why a lot of MLS is trading within the MLS instead of letting their players go abroad because they can use this GAM mechanism to, to obviously make their uh, salaries go well down.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a great, like it's, it's garbage but it's, it's not real money. So like when you see like on TransferMark, when we put that in, it's like, oh, you only moved $4 million. Yeah. But it's, it's GAM. It's worth way more than, than real money. Right. Because it's like, you can then go on the market and signs a player from outside of MLS. And even though he's under or oh, above the, your, um, salary cap, you can just basically say, oh, he's 250 above our salary cap. We take the gam that we have and we move him underneath our salary cap. And all of a sudden he's worth way more. Right? So yeah, yeah it's the biggest within MLS trade for a goalkeeper in history, Josh.
1: Yeah. And this is, I'll give me a next kind of question. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it first, but I'm going to answer it from the U S or the Canadian men's national team perspective. And then I'm going to throw it over to you mm-hmm. to try to analyze it from a Vancouver Whitecaps perspective, because it, this, like we said, it came out of nowhere. It blew us all away. But if I'm a Canadian men's national team fan, which I am, so is Manuel. We're both Canadian. I mean, obviously it'd be cool to see him potentially go abroad, but this mm-hmm. to me is still a pretty decent deal. Cause for, for me, LAFC have been, recently creating a, a pretty decent little team there. Obviously, this could be, could be a bit of a rebuild year, but they were desperate for a number one. They got Maxine Crepo. He's going to play, so he's going to be the number one. He's going to get a ton of minutes. Uh, we'll have to see how they obviously do in the season, but the other flip side of that is it allows potentially Hassel to be the number one keeper for Vancouver. So now we're going to have two Canadians being starters in the MLS instead of just having Crepeau because we've been told many times that Hassel is a solid keeper, that he's good enough to be a starter. So, I'm, I'm really this is the most excited topic we had today so Manuel I'm gonna throw it over to you I'm very curious to see what your thoughts are on it
2: yeah I think first of all I was surprised Um, took a while to confirm I think the club got so blindsided by this being leaked the way it got leaked that it took them a while to actually respond and then when I did finally get a response and you know then I did make Those details about the trade public, the the draft pick, the future incentives, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think what surprised us so much about it is that Maxim Kripot is an absolute fan favorite here. And um, the story quickly emerged that he was the one who wanted out of Vancouver. Now, I was on a press conference yesterday with Axel Schuster, uh, the sporting director um and it was a difficult one because it seemed almost like they were so uncomfortable with the situation, Josh. Um, when you watch it, and it's it's on. It's they they published a press conference. So watch this and get your own take on it. Um, I'm really curious what other people feel about it. Um, it just seemed they weren't very uncomfortable with it, and Kripo came to Schuster saying there is a problem and that problem cannot be solved in vancouver and therefore i need to move now the problem of course is in the hours leading up to the white caps doing their press conference um and sort of trying to control the narrative i guess or displaying their own narrative this controlling the narrative sounds so harsh um there was a lot of stuff out there while we didn't get very much information from the club. We are journalists. So we got it from whoever gave it to us. And, um, one of the things that I heard is that the cripple F- family themselves pushed back a little bit on the narrative that the white caps put out, that this was a personal decision. It, I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds, it could also be more than one thing, Josh. Right. Um, Lives are complicated. People are complicated. I know that Kripo absolutely loved Vancouver. Not the, just the club, but the city itself. He loved being here. And um, for whatever reason, it changed. And I understand that at LA, the, the, Kripo was the 20, 22nd best paid keeper in the league last year. I think money is always a factor. So I don't discount that story at all, that maybe he, LA, offered him something that the Whitecaps couldn't. But there also seems to be a sense that there was something else. And it will be really interesting to see if we ever get to the bottom of that part. Because I asked Schuster straight up, was it about going to LA? Or was it about leaving Vancouver? And Schuster said it was about leaving Vancouver.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation because like you said, I mean, there's more like, these aren't just pro athletes. These, these, these are humans. They have feelings. They, they, they are just like you and I. So Mm. we don't know what the exact situation is behind it, but there has to be something because this was such an unprecedented transfer. The way it went down, how hush hush it looked. I'm, I'm very curious too. And it's not even like um, he's from, the U S he's not from California. So he's leaving like his home country to go somewhere else. It's not like he's returning after being homesick, trying to be closer to family. So I I don't know. I I don't want to just put theories out there because no one will know, but I'm sure the transfer itself makes sense. I mean, Hassel, if they're going to put the ropes into him could potentially become the the number one keeper there. And there's a massive hole for keeper position in that LAFC team. I believe they only had one keeper on the, Mm -hmm. the roster at the time. So he's a perfect fit. But in my opinion, there, there's more to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's going to come out eventually. The Los Angeles FC Zoom call will be very interesting, I think. Um, there's going to be a lot of people on there. Because of the way Schuster framed it last night, I think there's going to be not just soccer journalists on there. <laughs> because it just sounded like something personal. It sounded bad. The way Vancouver put this out, it, whatever the personal reason is, it, it sounded bad. Yeah, I, I, I urge mean, you to watch the, the press conference and make your own opinion. Maybe people disagree with me, but I felt it sounded bad.
1: Yeah, it, it, to me, and again, this is not, I'm not saying this is a fact. It felt like it could have been something family related. It could have been something mm-hmm. like an argument within the team, within the organization uh but again this is all theory so I don't want to say that's yeah, no, what, no. what it is we, it just, we don't know
2: we just don't, we don't know
1: yeah it just we don't. it went down very fuzzy so yes. we'll just have to wait and see but I wish him luck in LAFC and I think that I was keeping an eye on that team with some of the moves that they've been doing lately and and, and they're gonna be they're gonna be a team I'm gonna be keeping an eye on this year
2: yeah yeah for sure um Steve Girondolo of course uh the new head coach there and uh it sounds Marcos Santos is going to be
1: on the staff another big theory as to why Crapo was mm. potentially getting recruited that way. Mm. I wonder, I wonder, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do wonder about that quite a bit. Um, I did reach out to Mark Dos Santos and he was happy that I reached out, but he was very guarded about this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help. Doesn't help us.
2: No, 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 it, it will come out. These things, um, yeah these things it's, it's a shame though but I'm, i
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement I'm gonna ask you one final question before we go on to our next topic Mano because I am curious because I mean I watched a ton of the white caps last year especially in that final push I was so impressed with Maxine Crapo. I think he got the attention of the entire league during that run to get them into playoffs he is in my opinion he's, he's a, as a top three keeper in the MLS um I'm just curious for for you obviously covering the white caps do you think Hassel can can fill the sticks or do you think they're going to go out and sign another keeper
2: yeah hassan is an interesting one um because i actually people always scouts and agents in europe talked about him way more than Kripol. and that i think is very interesting and should fill people with some confidence that he is able to take over but of course, the reality is, you know, now he has the number one and um, Schuster went back and forth during the press conference. It seemed really weird. He went back and forth about it, um, saying, they're not going to sign a replacement. They're going to sign a replacement. They're not going to sign a replacement. They're going to sign a replacement. Yeah. Um, but I think Hazal can do it. I, I, I'm pretty confident that he is the right man for the job. Um and I think I'm not the only I'm I'm basing this on what people tell me who who do this for a living. Scouts and agents seem to be pretty
1: confident too. And that's a route, in my opinion, right to the Canadian international team.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah. hundred percent. Um some Canadian Premier League news, Josh. So if you're still on listening at this point. Uh, congrats well done this has gone longer than we thought because there's actually quite a lot of topics that we have to cover Pamu Dukar gone from Pacific FC the Canadian Premier League champion Josh Um, yeah this got leaked today by the league Um, I know we had something I I sat down with James Merriman um, a couple days ago his replacement um, to do an interview and we were supposed to have it all nicely um, you know, controlled, leaked, um, controlled narrative, but I guess people out East had different ideas and that's just how it is sometimes in this country, fair <laughs> enough. Um, anyways, interview of James Merriman is out on Transfermarkt. Um, I I personally like James a lot. Um, I had met him a couple times in passing before Wednesday and on Wednesday we had a chance to actually properly sit down with him and speak with him. For a very long time, hear his story. It's a really interesting story, um, a fascinating story. He's a guy who, at 25, um, had to finish his footballing career because of injuries and went into coaching instead. A little bit like Julian Nagelsmann at Bayern, Josh.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like yeah, that.
2: Yeah, it's a good comparison, I think. And then has sort of worked um, his way up. And now at 36, will be the youngest head coach in, Cana- in the very, still very young Canadian Premier League history, but still... Um, you know, he's the first coach under 40 to take over a club. And he's, of course, taking over the national championship from Pa Moducar, um, who has done fantastic work here. Absolutely brilliant work. And Par is, of course, going to the FC Dallas organization. He's going to take over the MLS Next Pro Team North Texas. Um, the He's very excited about this because, of course, there's, there's that connection with Bayern Munich. Um, there's also, of course, the fact that dallas like to promote within so the hope for him is of course that um there is an opportunity for him to take over the mls team at some point down the road it's it's a no-brainer move i mean he he
1: he did such like you said he did such good work uh he's won everything there is to win so naturally if you have big ambitions which he does this is a perfect route for him I, i love it i'm happy for him i'm just there's just so many question marks right now around Pacific next season with all the yeah, lo- losing two of their best players, losing their manager. Um, yeah. But they still have a lot of talent there. And yeah. The, and,
2: yeah. yeah. And, and read the article because James makes sense. And I think it should calm down the fan base a little bit, considering yeah. what is planned. Like, I like the fact that they went after Eastern Ongara, they didn't get him, but they went after
1: him. And it kind of shows you what they're trying to do this year, right? Yep, and there's there, there's going to be a couple more signings. We know that there's, yeah. they're going to try to replace them. We don't know what what those players are going to look like, but they're still a, a core. I mean, Baldissimo didn't have the the impact because obviously having the injury. So I'm expecting a good season out of him. Bustos is still there. Diaz. I mean, this is still a strong squad under new management. I'm 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 not expecting them to struggle by any stretch.
2: No, they'll be fine. And I having heard some of the names, there will be other departures. Uh, I can say that much. One that will get a lot of Canadian fans excited, I think, because it's actually one that's kind of similar to Pa Moduka. Um, I may or may not have already written about it, so an <laughs> eye on it. Um, but, yeah, I think the fan base will be obviously disappointed. But at the end of the day, this is what the league is for, Josh. It's supposed to find Canadian talent. Oh, no, Pa is not Canadian, he's Norwegian. All right, but still, you know, like he he played for the Whitecaps. He has very strong, a very strong roots in North America, I think. And it was to sort of find that talent and move it on, move it up the ladder, and that's where he's going. He's going up the ladder, with a- I, abso-
1: absolutely this is this is it. I mean, we saw it even in the, one of the first seasons after the success of uh, Tristan Borges going over to Belgium. Yeah. Now we're seeing Easton move on. This is what we want to see. We want to see routes into the MLS. We saw it with Joel Waterman. Now we're yeah. even seeing coaches getting those opportunities. And who knows where Paul's going to go? Uh, it's awesome for the league and now it op- opens a door within the league for other younger players younger Canadians to take that step and show what they're made of
2: yeah and it gives, gives an opportunity to James as well He's a 36 year old Canadian um who's from Vancouver Island born and raised in Nanaimo has coached with the Whitecaps organization has coached at Simon Fraser with Alan Cock who is of course the head coach at Edmonton right um has worked with players like Alfonso Davies in the past and has been with Pacific from day one and has helped sort of put this team together and has worked there as a technical director over the last three years and now as a 36-year-old gets the opportunity to take the club to the next level. You know, that's sort of what this league is also there for, to find these young Canadian coaches. Because the coaches are just as important as the players for for us to grow the game in this country.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen some pretty, pretty impressive coaching performances in the CPL so far. And I'm yeah. excited to see what James and many other young Canadian coaches can do within the league. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so that piece is out in Transfermarkt. Um, give it a read. Also, I think before we wrap it up, Josh, I just want to point out, um, Filippo and I did a video on Transfermarkt um, because there's a ton of questions out there on how Transfermarkt works. Just watch Filippo's video. I think that's the best summary you can possibly find. And yeah, I want to give that a shout out. And then, of course, is there anything you want to give a shout out before we wrap it up?
1: No, just that we missed uh, missed Adrian. We missed Filippo on this episode, and like Filippo has been doing recently. If you want to help the podcast out, be sure to leave a rating, yes. preferably five star. But I mean, if you don't like us, one one star will do. And uh, and leave a leave a review because uh, we really enjoy doing this podcast, and uh, hoping that uh, you guys are enjoying it as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Leave us a review. Um, tell us if we could do better. Give us a shout. Ask us questions. That's what we're here for. And yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, cheers and bye-bye.